What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 89 of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast, brought to you, as always, by SorrySports.com. Website was hot this week. We had an article from Mike Phillips and two articles from Sean, so go check those out if you haven't yet. Jumped right in this week and talked about the NBA playoffs. Sean and I admitted where we were wrong, and we kept the good vibes rolling, of course. Uh, and we previewed the NBA Eastern and Western Conference Finals coming up. After that, we jumped into baseball. We talked Yankees baseball for an extended period of time, of course. After that, we talked about the Red Sox and a little bit around baseball with the um, draft coming up, as well as the two guys that haven't signed. There's an article about that by Sean on SorrySports.com. No Thrones porn this week. We actually have a full Thrones porn episode coming back later in the week. We'll probably talk NBA draft lottery, unfortunately, after that. So follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports. Follow us on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Shoot us an email, Sorry Sports at Yahoo.com. And of course, check out the website. Enjoy the pod. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We're here for our Monday rundown, episode 89. Tom, what's up, man? Hey, man, how are you? We are doing a Monday rundown, and I believe it is a Monday. Yeah, dude. We're actually hitting it on time this week. It's all right. Just for all the fans out there, before we start, I know one of your favorite segments is Thrones Porn. We will not be doing it this week. No. Uh, on, on today, at least, because... Sean and I are actually planning on following through on something for once. I still haven't jumped in the lake or wherever we're going to do it for our uh, that's coming for next our little winter. bet, but that'll be there. Uh, but we are going to follow through. We're going to watch an episode of Thrones porn. Um, we're both going to be naked. Um, are we watching this together? Yeah, we're watching it together. Wow. Okay. Uh, I just want to. I just want to point watch. out how it's pretty interesting that you mentioned that after you know criticizing me and Frenchie watching the draft, but, you know, in whatever fantasy world you lived in that last week. At some point before the start of the NFL season, I'm going to write a recap of your and Frenchie's night at the draft. But, yeah, Sean and I will Wasn't be watching. at the draft, but that's okay. Your night at your apartment together <laughs> in your two-bedroom apartment that you guys converted the other Well, now you're saying we're office. watching Thrones naked together, so I don't know what the hell you're doing. Sorry, dude. Um, but... We will be we will watch Thrones this week together, and we will immediately record a podcast recapping it. Oh, it's going to be epic! Absolutely, I know it's going to be a little bit late, but it's going to enhance our brand. Our... It's going to give the people what they want. Yes, and this is a continuation of the Good Vibes tour. That's right. Uh, good vibes all around, positivity. Um, you look great today. Thanks, pal. You look you're looking thick. <laughs> Not thick in a bad way. Just you're really filling out that Under Armour shirt. I appreciate it. You look good. Filling it out in the right spots. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Um, Can't wait to see uh, how this is going to turn. You're going to just, if if things don't go your way, you're coming into one day and telling me how awful I look and how much you hate me. Tomorrow, Right now, I'm going to take these fake compliments. Um, Good vibes to the Lakers. Good vibes to the Cavs. That's right. I hope your coaching decisions go well. If the Cavs get the number one pick, though. All right. Can we just get into I'm this? Be upset. We're not going to go up and down the list of all the people to give good vibes to. It's a collective, all around good vibe. Okay. Okay. So let's get started with our Monday rundown. All right. Let's all right. Do let's it. do it. Um, there were a couple game sevens yesterday. I don't know if you saw. 
And uh, we now have an Eastern and Western Conference Finals solidified. But let's start in the East, as usual. And was that one of the craziest shots you've ever seen? It was weird. Very weird. The four bouncer? You know what? Never seen a ball hit front rim like that, by the way. Then bounce around a couple other times and go in. When he hit that, uh, when he shot it, I was like, there's no way this is going in. Honestly, it was fate. The Sixers, I don't think, deserve the way they were playing and and the way way, um, Brett Brown was running that team to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I just think it was fate. Yeah, well, this was the best moment in the Raptors' history, and this might be fate that Kawhi went there for this because if they lost that game, they would have been continually the choking dogs that they've been in the last you know six, seven years, and they don't even have LeBron to blame this time around. But he they did win this team. game. Carried and that team. He had, what, 37 shots? 39 shots. Wow. Yeah. But that's what he should be doing. I know that's not his style, but listen, you're the best player on this team. You came here for a reason. And you've got to step up. We know what Lowry's playoff history is. It's not great. There's not a lot of other guys. You know, Danny Green has some championship experience, but he's a sharpshooter. By the way, what's that? I don't know if he even touched the floor. Not in the fourth. No, he played early, and then it, and then Nick Nurse just pulled him. Gasol had an okay game. Siakam didn't really look like he. I don't know why Siakam was playing moment. at the very end there, but not much of a shooter. Danny Green should have been in with all that playoff experience, and he's also a sharpshooter. Um, aside from that, I mean, Ibaka had a pretty good game as well. Ibaka Let's had a real good kudos. game. The game started off as sloppy as it, as you could possibly imagine. I think game it was started six, off six with, with like Simmons four minutes being left. Pretty assertive, and then he just turned back into uh, the half court player that he has been throughout his short career. Well, he's not a good half court player, and exactly. that's what that's what showed up because you're exactly right, bro. I mean. I think he finished with nine points, something like that. It's like four for five. Yeah, the guy's hmm. the guy's not capable of doing anything outside the rim. Well, and he should have posted up more. Yeah, he should have. But again, it's tough when you've got Embiid there. So what are you going to do? Looks, you can't have a point guard who literally can't shoot. Embiid is gassed, and I think they should have. I think still they should have gotten some lineup changes or. But or even something. down Giving the stretch, dude, he was great. Posted up Ben Simmons a little bit more. Jimmy Butler did his thing. He and had he a pretty good does. game. He's a big time player. Tell you what, they gave up a lot for Tobias Harris with uh, when they gave up Shamit, and that was a guy who I think could do do some damage in the playoffs and bang a couple threes, and they just didn't have enough. Five guys was not enough. And listen, we were speculating at that. You know, they were able to take care of the Nets. And when they're starting five plays great, you know, Reddick included running off the screens and, and hitting the threes that he's capable of doing, that team, as we saw in game six, is lethal. That team's hard to beat. But all five guys have to be playing great because there's nobody on the bench that's going to carry the load if any of them go down. And for Embiid being as gassed as he was, he had a really good game. Um, I, I just took away from this game that the 76ers have to get blown up. Yeah. Because I think this is about as far as they can go as is currently constructed. I mean, you know that they're not bringing back Butler and Harris and Redick. Two of those guys are going to have to go. But they have to get more depth. And I don't think Simmons and Embiid can play together to win a championship. I, I completely agree with you. Unless Simmons wakes up one day and can shoot a little bit. Like Giannis. He's going to have to get... Shoot. But that took a while for Giannis to do that. And Giannis was doing it with a team that wasn't all that good. Yeah. The Sixers I, team is going to be expected out, to contend for the title next year after two straight Eastern Conference semifinal losses. 
Uh, but you never know. Maybe with a better coach in there, he can spread out Embiid's minutes a little bit more. And it's use tough, ben though, Simmons man, because how are you not going to use two of your best players? Your point guard and your center got to be playing together down the stretch in big games. But because of their stylistic you know, deficiencies, you can say, especially Simmons, you can't play them at the court at the same time. And we've talked about this on prior podcast, man. Philadelphia feels like it's Embiid City. Embiid, you know, he's walking off yesterday crying. You could see that it really mattered to him. And you know I like Embiid, even though the shit he pulled with Jared Allen. I do like him. He's a great personality. He's fun. He's a little bit of a punk, but he's a great player. And the NBA is better with him healthy. But it doesn't feel like there's a real attachment between Simmons and the city of Philadelphia. And I think if you could get a package of you know, a couple players, especially a real true point guard who does have the ability to shoot, spread the floor, get Embiid in better situations, surround them with a good wing, this team could be really dangerous if Embiid's healthy. I just feel like Simmons has to go. I don't really know where you're going to get all that. Maybe you could do a... uh, I don't think the Suns will trade Devin Booker, and that's a massive contract. I don't even know how they'd match that up. I don't really know where the trade would be, where you're going to find a wing player and a good shooting player. Well, I think they would sign the wing. You're talking about a Jimmy Butler coming back. And then L.A. Lakers, Lonzo Ball. He can't shoot that much either, but he's a real point. But he's I was going to say. He can shoot a, a little shooter. bit better. He's going to shoot a little bit better than Simmons. And, okay. he, and he's at least okay. capable of hitting threes, and he plays that way. He's not a post-up point guard. So, yeah, he's a better fit, but not a great fit at yeah, all. Or they might have to go the free agent route. I don't know. You're going to have to maybe trade Simmons for like a lot of assets, get some bench players or some you know good role players back they have a lot of options the reason i'm kind of spitballing here is because i don't really know what they're gonna do but i think it's become evident that those two guys you're not winning a championship with them on the same team was the process any bit of a success in your opinion because in my opinion did I you mean, read you my article on sorry sports and beat out of it i of said course. no and i don't think it is either i think that the process as far as the plan obviously worked but the execution of the draft picks was what did Sam Hankey in. Because so you took three centers, Nerlens Noel, Joel Embiid, Jaleel and, and Joel Okafor. That doesn't make any sense. Two, Two of them had an antiquated game, and there's always been concerns about Embiid's health. You took Michael Carter-Williams. Yeah, he was the first. The but you, you, know, you have Dario Saric, who was a nice player that you ended up trading. And then you take Simmons, who is very limited. Obviously, he's dynamic when he plays in his lane, but in when teams take him away in the playoffs, obviously he's limited. And then Markel Fultz, who you traded for. Jonathan Simmons, did he forget how to shoot a basketball? Did he forget how to play the game of basketball? I yeah, thought that that move was, was actually okay. I love that move at the and beginning And he's done for them. nothing. Well, he wasn't even on the... I don't even think we saw him he in didn't the playoffs play. at all. He at didn't all. play a minute in the net series. James Ennis played a lot more than him. Yep. But, yeah, I don't think the process execution-wise was much of a success either. Maybe if they had better people in the front office. Well, for sure, because you would have... Look at some of those other... I mean, you didn't take Jason Tatum. You didn't take Jalen Brown. You, you didn't take Porzingis. T- you didn't take a Porzingis. I mean, you didn't take a lot of guys that were top three, four picks. I mean, you're drafting one through three every single year. You've got to hit on more than what seems to be just like one and a half between Embiid, who when healthy is that great, and then Simmons, who's an unfinished product. 
So I I don't know. Um, But let's get just to say here, I mean, the 76ers, Brett Brown, you alluded to, he could be on his way out. I think he is on his way out. I don't know what they're going to do from a coaching decision. Do they blow up this team? That was a tough loss for them um, on the road because they did play well enough to win that game. Over to Toronto side, I think Kawhi Leonard, especially with the injury to KD, has now taken over as the best player in this postseason. Best player in the postseason for sure. Um, I picked him to win the MVP, but he didn't play anywhere near as many minutes to win the MVP. Is obviously Harden or do you or contribute any of his ex his execution and his dominance in this postseason to series management? to the load management? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, somewhat. I mean, it's got to contribute somewhere. If he was truly injured two years ago, um, but people. People are people are shocked by this. I mean, he was he was a great player before all this. It's it's easy to forget, but he did have a really good regular season, and he's probably a top. He's definitely a top ten MVP vote. And I think if he played the amount of games, he was the that, best player on that twenty fourteen Spurs team too. Yeah, and if he this year, if he I'm saying this year, he he's definitely a top ten MVP candidate. And if he played instead of this load management BS, where what he played sixty something games, yeah. If he played what Giannis and Harden did, I think he would have been a top three. MVP candidate. Yeah, I know that about. I mean, clearly, if he if this postseason is any reflection of what he would have done with more minutes in the regular season, I don't see how you could argue that. Um, but what really a win for, for the, the Raptors! And now they're back in the Eastern Finals, matching up with a Milwaukee team that we were doing the pod as Game Five started, and Boston laid down like a bunch of dead dogs. And you know, listen, it's it's pretty obvious, man. They were not a happy team. They didn't like each other. Nothing fit. Trying to fit, you know, a lot of square pegs into round holes, this and it didn't work out. Up, and I think it's going to be. I an easy think one. so too. I think Kyrie's for sure gone. But the weird thing about Kyrie is he's so weird. Like he's such an inconsistent guy. Maybe he could be like have this epiphany moment and say, you know what, this was all on me, and I'm going to come back and win a championship here. You never know. I, I don't mean, put that past him because he's changed his mind like seven times. Could you imagine if the Celtics did a one and one with him and a one and one with Davis and they sure could all their assets? Sure could. And they end up that would with be quite the, the risky move, but hey, if you get you a championship, it's worth it. You do it. Um, what did you make of the Bucks just doing that four straight after a pretty bad game one at home? They just wiped the floor with the Celtics. A less talented team, for sure, although they had by far the best player in the series. But that's the difference between a team that plays together and a team that is at each other's necks. I mean, it's hero ball versus team basketball, and team basketball is going to win out. I'm so glad you said that because we talk about it all regular season, right? Like you see spats in locker rooms. I mean, we talked about that Heat team in 2011 that was their first year together that was tremendous and they lost to the Mavericks and they did get to game six of the finals that year but you could tell there was something about that team and when we talk about championship teams across all sports we always talk about team chemistry locker room feel continuity and feel like we throw those terms around a lot very recklessly but when you get to situations like this it's true it was easy to forget that Milwaukee was head and shoulders above as the best team in the Eastern Conference all year. Their coaching change with Budenholzer made a huge difference. Obviously, Giannis took his game to MVP level. Bledsoe had a really good year, but 
there was a different feel with that team. You could tell that team was together all season long, handled the ups and downs that an NBA long regular season can have, especially when you're controlling the conference and you're going to be the one seed. They ran right through the Pistons in the first round. Lose a tough game early at home. Giannis struggles. And then they said, you know what? We've got this. We've been the best team all year. We know how to play together. Budenholzer is probably going to win coach of the year for that reason. And then you see it on the flip side with the Boston Celtics that, yeah, it looked like they were turning the page. We speculated, hey, are they starting to, maybe they're getting together. And we should have known because their inconsistencies were going to follow them all year long. And they obviously culminated in four straight losses. And now they're going to be facing probably the most questions of any team in this offseason. Would you agree? I think Philly has more questions, to be honest with you, because I think those questions can be answered pretty easily in Boston. Kyrie leaves, and they they have room for another guy. Um, Horford also has a. I was just going to say, I think option. Horford's a big deal. Terry Rozier, same thing. Yeah, Terry Rozier. I don't think it's is a foregone conclusion. Free agent, yep, but so I don't think gonna... it's a foregone conclusion no, that he not stays. At all. But I think it depends on Kyrie, of course, because if he's gone, Rozier slides right back in, and he'll probably be a starter. Um, but I think the Celtics have enough talent where they can run it back with a healthier Hayward who's shown signs of who's shown signs and flashes, good vibes to him as well, of being that player and maybe with another full year he could be that playmaking slashing forward with that's good defensively. Um, and I just think with the Sixers, this was your team at its best and you couldn't get it done at all. With the Celtics, yeah, there's going to be a lot more rebuilding, I guess you would say, but there's not going to be as many questions. I was going to say, I think it's more retooling. Exactly, because maybe next year you run it back with more with less talent but more of a team vibe, and you're better. My biggest question is what happens even if Kyrie leaves. the Celtics leaves. have all those picks and whatnot that they can make a lot they of They have four for. picks in the first round. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. But they're all, I think, after the lottery, so... They're not. You're not plucking the best talent. I mean, you can find hidden gems, and Ainge has always been good at that. But your first round picks don't become as appealing as trade chips. I think the biggest, you know, chips in all of this is are uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It. What does Danny Ainge? Does Danny Ainge look at one of them or both of them as legitimate superstars that you're going to trust and build? I mean, we saw Tatum take a big step back this year. Or do you say this is the best time to move them and we're going to go get Anthony Davis whether Kyrie stays or not? I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens in Boston. But we do have an Eastern final of Toronto and Milwaukee all year. You said Milwaukee was coming out of the East for you. I said Toronto for me. So we're going to get to see uh, how that plays out, buddy. Absolutely. So moving over to the West, I was wrong. What can I say? I was wrong. Good vibes to everybody out there. I'm not giving you any shit for it, and I, I should, wrong. but I'm not. Because to me, this was so clear. I expected it to be more of a series. It wasn't going to be a four-gamer. But the Golden State Warriors are the are the class of the Western Conference. Yeah, and they had a big fuck you game in Game 6. KD was out. Um, I don't even know when he's coming back. but Yeah, he was just listed as out for Game 1 tomorrow night. Okay, they're still probably going to win. He's going to be reevaluated on Thursday. They just said, I mean, come on. We we won two champ what they won one championship and lost the other one without KD. We're fine. We're this is the best five-year run possibly ever. Um and they just showed that they were the best team and 
honestly, the Rockets just laid down. And I, me and you were talking about it before the pod. Why would I ever trust Chris Paul, Mike D'Antoni, and James Harden? I feel stupid for it. And I guess a team that is going to shoot 63s a game, 73s, whatever, crazy numbers of threes, at some point, if you don't have an inside presence, there's nothing you well, can do. Well, their inside presence disappeared. Capella was a no-show. He had he was absolutely atrocious in Game 6. And to be honest with you, man, you mentioned those three names. I'm going to take each of them in an individual case. So let's start with Chris Paul. The point God. He had 27 points in this game. And if people want to just look at stats, which is what they often do with Chris Paul... It was a fine game. He didn't have six. He didn't have, you know, a repeat of what he did in his final game as the Clipper, uh, losing game seven at home in the first round series to a Utah Jazz team that I think was four seeds lower than them. But, again, he is not capable of making big plays down the stretch. He is caught betwixt and between of whether he needs to take over or be passive And it seems like he never makes the right decision, doesn't know what to do. And it doesn't help that as he's continued to have this herky-jerky mindset, he's also lost a step. He's not the same prolific dish-and-drive guy that he once was. So he's, he's an anomaly. I'm very interested to see what Houston does with him. They have a lot of more years and money dedicated to him. Again, to me, Chris Paul has always been more name than performer. Give me a guy like Tony Parker in the playoffs over Chris Paul. And that's not saying that Tony Parker's a better point guard, but I need my point guard to make big plays down the stretch in big games. Chris Paul has continued to show that he is not capable of doing that. You switch over to to um, James Harden. I don't give James Harden a lot of shit. He's exhausted. If you play to that level, especially this year when he had to single-handedly carry this team with all those 30-plus point games, what was it, was it like 36 or something, 37 straight 30-point games, that's going to wear you down. Nobody can sustain that. And he's just not going to be able to take over into the second to third round of postseason series. I don't give him shit for it. I just, that's how it is. Your body's going to wear down. As for D'Antoni... D'Antoni doesn't make, like to make adjustments mid-game. He, what else can he do, though? I mean, they are what they are. Well, that's exactly right. I was going to say, for this team, they are what they are. And if guys like Capella are not, are not showing up, if guys like P.J. Tucker can't score, even though that's not his primary focus, but you need some points out of him at times, and Chris Paul's going to be Chris Paul, like, what are you going to do? Bench Chris Paul, take the ball out of his hand for Austin Rivers? I don't think you can do that. So I thought his hands were kind of tied. He put it into the hands of his best players, and his best players didn't get the job done. Um, Golden State was the better team, and even without Kevin Durant, you said it perfectly, it was a fuck you game. They wanted to show that, hey, people are counting us out because Durant's gone, and yeah, Durant's a great player, obviously. But can we not forget that this has been Curry and Thompson and Draymond's team for five years, six years? Yeah, and I believe I said on this pod the most recent um, Monday rundown that was like on a Wednesday last week. If they don't win this game five, it's over. You made you were right. It, it was over, and that's with KD being out uh, for what 
about a quarter and a half of game five, and then all of that game, game was six. on a silver platter for Houston, and they didn't take it. Didn't matter. I mean, they got and the game five was a good game. It was. I mean, at halftime, it didn't look like a good game, but Houston came back when Durant went down. Couldn't get it finished. I was thinking, this is Houston's chance. They're going to win this game. And of course, Clay Thompson comes out as we say, oh man, Eric Gordon looks better than him in this. And in game five, what does he hit? Like five or six straight threes. And I said that too. Yeah, you did. I was like, we're making fun of, or whatever. We're talking shit about Clay Thompson. And you know what? He's probably going to come out tonight and be hot as anything. And that's just what it is with a shooter like that. With one of, with probably the second best shooter of all time behind his teammate, Steph Curry. And I think there's a little fuck you with him too. Like we're starting to hear rumors that he might not stay in Golden State and there's been a little contention. People are going to see how good he is if he leaves though. Yeah, because I agree. he can put the ball on the deck. He's probably a top three perimeter defender in the league. He is a great player and he should be first team All-NBA, second we just team All-NBA every this? year. In an era where you know athletes have to go get their money and they want to be on the biggest stage and get their notoriety, especially in the NBA because you know, you're not wearing helmets. You're the most easily seen and recognized athletes of any of the four major sports. We'll put it this way. NBA athletes are by far, when it comes to fame, the most famous. Absolutely. The 25th most famous NFL or NBA athlete is like just as famous as Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, all the, all the top yeah. NFL But let's players. say this. When everybody's trying to get theirs and put themselves in their situation on their bright on their you know stage and in their bright lights have we seen any better case of unselfishness than with Draymond Green, Klay Thompson and Steph Curry? Yeah, I just want to win. It's remarkable to me. And I mean Durant, he fits that mold because all he's talked about is how he wants to play basketball on a great basketball team. And if you don't have personalities like Draymond, and you know, we heard Draymond early in the season when him and Katie were getting into it. His whole thing was, we know you're leaving, man. And you know what? Like, why don't you see what we've sacrificed? We've sacrificed dollars. We've sacrificed fame because all we've done is want to win. And we've accommodated you and a lot of other players. I, I continue to be in awe of just how selfless those guys are on the floor. Even that final possession that sealed that game in game six when Draymond's driving nine times out of 10, somebody in that situation is going to go for the, go for the layup. Cause you've got the defender caught in a bad spot. You're going to draw the foul. You're going to go to the line and shoot two. Instead, he kicks it out to Iguodala in the corner who makes the extra pass to Thompson who drains the three game over. And I'm watching that sequence. I'm like, this is why I don't doubt them. Because in the big moments, they're going to make the plays because they're the most unselfish team on the floor. And that's a mentality that, in addition to their talent, has allowed them to be as successful as they've been. Yeah, man, you're completely right. And not the not the toughest decision of your life to go with the Warriors, but you were right. You were right. Well, and- that's why I'm not giving you shit because it's like, I, I don't feel great picking the team that I just everybody make did. I bold play. No, and of course, and listen, like, I appreciate you doing it, but I'm not. Of all the battles I'm going to pick with you, this one is not it. I picked no, the better team to win, and they did. 
Absolutely. It's our Anthony Davis argument. That's right. And I'm starting to take your side on that one, too. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about, man. Get on board. Uh, what are we doing uh, pick-wise for this Western Conference Final? How do you feel about it? Durant's well, out game one. He's probably going to miss two, I believe. Best case scenario for him. How well, do you see the series Let's talk about going? this Portland-Denver game. Um, I mean, this team went... I mean, we knew Jokic throughout the entire playoffs was going to be great. And this team went as Jamal Murray went. Because Jokic was going to give you his you know, almost 40, 50, 90 stats wise. And he was going to give you, uh, he's a walking double, double, almost a walking triple double, but this team went as Murray went and he couldn't get it done in game seven. And you know what? Dame Lillard had a tough game where he was, he just didn't shoot well, but he wasn't Westbrook where Westbrook was like, I don't fucking care. I'm going to run through this brick wall instead of jumping over it. He gave the ball to C.J. McCollum because he recognized he was hot, and he gave the ball to the other players. Collins had a good game. Hood was there. Who, I mean, Hood was picked up off the scrap heap. Cantor, who was resurrected, having an incredible playoffs, had a really good game as well. I think well. we need to remember how decent of a player he is, though. No, I'm not talking shit. I mean, I joked around when, about when the shoulder. When you say resurrected, it makes it sound like... You know, I they mean, picked the guy, him out of nowhere. The guy he was, was a for, good player. The guy was up for grabs. Houston could No, I know, but that was because of the Knicks situation. That wasn't because which, he was just done. Which, going as a back, that, that was why. This is exactly why I was so fucking angry that the Knicks couldn't have even gotten a second round well, because pick. Because they didn't want to play him, so his value could not have been lower. You could have gotten a second round pick for the guy. Yeah, you could they, have they, they scooped him up within 10 minutes. Yeah. And Houston could have used him. Every team pretty much in the playoffs could have used this guy. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Houston could have used a back-to-the-basket guy for Christ's sake. but I would have taken him over RHJ. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, for those wondering. (laughs) Um, The Celtics could have used him. Oh, yes. I mean, but... Anybody could. Great game for CJ McCollum. He was playing out of his mind. He had 37 points. Really good game. And... I'm happy for Portland. I mean, you know, you're going to talk about the Curry the Curry brothers matchup. You're going to talk about the CJ McCollum versus KD because I went on your fucking podcast quote from yep. about a year and a half ago. But really good series, really great playoffs for Dame. CJ McCollum's really starting to show up and show out, and he he shut us up because we were questioning, oh, you're gonna be, you said you're going to be ready for the playoffs, but you haven't played in, in a month or whatever. He was ready for the playoffs. Yeah, he was. Um, and this was just a battle of will, and you know what? Portland outwilled Portland outwilled Denver. Denver is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Western Conference for a long time coming. But moving on to the Western, well, Conference real fast, finals. I want to make two points on the Blazers because I think you touched upon two very interesting things. One of which being Lillard's performance last night, and he was not good, and he deferred to McCollum and let McCollum have his thirty-seven points, I believe it was. But he, you know, wanna, last night was the perfect, if you're watching that end of that game, was the perfect antithesis of what the Rockets and Chris Paul are. Chris Paul can have his 27. He's not coming up big in the big spots. Willard, I think, finished with what? 13? Yes. Was it something like teens, that? In the teens. He had like eight in the final couple minutes. In addition to distributing the ball at an incredibly high level. So you look at a point guard who might not be having his way. Curry is very much the same way. How many times do we watch Curry struggle 
with his shot and then, you know, turn the ball over recklessly a few times. And then as crunch time comes in, the guy goes nuts, you know, hits three in a row in a big spot, does his shimmy, makes a perfect pass, is feeling himself, and that's the game. The other thing, you admitted you were wrong on Houston. I was much more wrong on Portland. Let me give, you know, give myself up here. We're going with the good vibes. I said that they were a team that was not built for the playoffs and the Oklahoma City Thunder were. We were both wrong on that. And I've I've seen Portland just come up so short so many times. I think you and I both predicted OKC to go to the Eastern on a I really went out on a rant and said, you know, this team is not a playoff team. I don't care how good they are in the regular season. They're not built for the postseason. So who's gutless now? Is Toronto's not gutless? Not is with it, Kawhi. Is it Houston? No. Houston's not gutless? I don't see a gut. Maybe Boston was. Boston, yeah. Boston probably was the gutless. most gutless. There's but I wouldn't a gutless put them, team. Yeah, but I wouldn't put them in the same... I would class is what Toronto did last year for that game five. Toronto didn't win a game against Cleveland last year, and Cleveland pushed or Cleveland was pushed by Indiana in seven. I don't know. I I, I just watched that series last year. I'm like, you guys, you're just laying down. You're not even putting in an effort. I would say Boston was the same. Way I would this just year. say Boston was wh- who they were all year, which was inconsistent. I think that's more what it was when they played great in the Indiana first round series and in game one in Milwaukee. They're a team that you watch and say, yeah, that team is the best team in the East. But then, you know, on a dime, their entire mentality shifts, changes, attitudes are now all negative. You talk about good vibes all around. That was not the case in that Boston Celtics locker room or huddle. I wish them all well. Good and vibes I'm looking forward to you summer. talking to your – have you talked to Stevens yet? Because I want to get some intel here on what the hell happened and what it was like all year in that locker room. I sent him an email. We're not on speaking terms right now. Okay. Maybe one of my sports fathers. But well, it's baseball him, season. You're talking to Cash. Yeah, he's been doing a good job picking up guys off the scrap heap. Um, I also haven't spoken to McVeigh after that Super Bowl performance, but I both sent them out. I sent them out a chain email. I CC'd McVeigh on it, and I just wrote good vibes. Period. Awesome. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. We'll we'll talk further in, in the in the coming months. Football season is coming. But yeah. Up. So let's talk about this Western Conference Final real fast. I, I want to do a sorry short when when things slow down in the summertime. Top five players at each position because I think Dame is like the second best point guard in the league. I'm down with that. That'd I think Dame's. Is, I think Curry's probably the best, and Dame's the second best. Simmons yeah, it's hard, is the it's third really best. hard to argue with what he's done this year. Ben Simmons is third best. No, he's <laughs> no. Yeah, he's he's Dame is an incredible player, and I love everything about his game. I think he's great, and I like that he wants to stay in Portland and finish his career there. Um, but to give you a prediction on this series, I'm going to go Dubs in five. I just don't think that Portland has enough to stick with them. And I don't know. I'm going to give Portland some respect and say Golden State in six. Okay. But five makes sense. I think Golden State now just looks like they have that attitude of, as we've talked about, seemingly at nauseum. But when you watch every game unfold deeper into the playoffs, it seems to continue to, to be the case even more significantly. And clearly, they know this is the last ride. And they don't want to go down. Yeah, they want to win. They're going. They're, they're they want to be. They want to end their run on the highest of notes, which is holding the Larry O'Brien Trophy again. Yeah, and and to look at it from the Eastern Conference, I'm I'm guessing you're going to stick with your pick, and I'm going to. Yeah, I don't have mine. a reason not to. They're there, there, right? So yeah. So you got Toronto and how many? I'm going to say seven. 
I have Milwaukee in six. All right. Yeah. I think um I think Giannis is gonna have Marcus all spin around like a top. Oh, I think so too. But I could see Kawhi having a couple monster of games. Could, of course. And you know what? I could even see one game where like a Lowry or Siakam gets mm-hmm. hot and wins a game on their own. You know? It's so funny because in these series, you know, they're played every other day or in some cases once every three days. So we watch these games. There's a lot to dissect every single night, and our attitudes on how these teams play can so not, shift dramatically. It's a massive overreaction every night. I mean, if you talked to me a week ago, I I was very confident about my Rockets pick. And if you talked to me two and a half weeks ago, I think I went on Mike Phillips' pod, what, two and a half, three weeks ago, I was saying the Celtics were going to make some noise. Yeah. I mean, you didn't have a reason to not believe. No, that. I, I should have. I, I said the Nets had a. We both said the Nets had a had a chance after what they did in Game One in Philly. And hindsight is always twenty twenty. But I mean, come on, the Nets won one game, and the Celtics beat the Indiana Pacers. We, we next year. Let's I be, said Celtics in seven next in that year, series. Good vibes because of the way they were going into the that series. Next year, with all the good vibes surrounding us, with the Knicks playing with Zion, let's be smarter. Let's promise each other we'll be smarter. Handshake on that. All right, bro. Oh, we're gonna shake. Oh, we're gonna shake. Okay, okay. Good radio, everybody. There, we we definitely just shook. We might have kissed. Um, All right, so let's talk about some off-season news. I guess during the season. So I already wish some good vibes. So that's out of the way. (laughs) Um, The Lakers hired Frank Vogel, and I guess this isn't notable. We don't really talk about assistant coaches on this one, but. They hired a LeBron favorite in Jason Kidd as the number one assistant coach, I guess. I I don't know. Maybe he's defensive coordinator. I don't know. We're just going to spill water on people and and get more timeouts. Was that water? Was it soda? No, it was water. He told uh, one of the players to bump him to him, which is smart. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah, we did get the good vibes out of the way, right? Mm -hmm. Because I can't defend this. It this just, is the worst. I, I I can't believe how poorly run this team is. Chances that Jason Kidd's the head coach next year? If LeBron's still there, I think it's like 98%. Yeah. No, Frank Vogel is a caretaker, and he's just somebody that they want to give the name to because they don't want to appoint – they don't want to hand over Kidd because they're afraid of the image that, you know, a guy that up and left the Nets and then got fired unceremoniously by the Bucks is just going to walk in and get the job. And Frank Vogel, you know, we'll give him a little credit. He has a little, he had a couple really good Indiana teams there in like 2011, 2012, 13, but didn't do much in Orlando, didn't do much but, in Orlando, Orlando much, but those so. teams were horrible, but this team is horrible. And let's just run down this line. They wanted Monty Williams. Monty Williams said, I'd rather be in Phoenix. So that's already not good. This is on the heels, obviously, of Magic just deciding he was going to take a press conference and resign after having a three-and-a-half-hour meeting. Rob Polinka is despised by almost the entire league. There were talks that during the trade deadline, when he called, teams wouldn't even answer, and they demanded to talk to Magic. So you don't have a GM still, or president of basketball ops, whatever. The roster around this is could not have more questions. Brandon Ingram's blood clot situation, how good what's going to happen there? Lonzo hasn't played and there's a lot of room for his game to get better. 
Kuzma's been good, but in my opinion, he's a good player on a shit team. I think he's more of a six-man, nice bench piece on a really good team. They don't have any assets that teams believe in and feel good about acquiring. We'll see where they end up drafting tomorrow night, but it's not going to be one or two. So how good is the prospect they're going to land? This team is in really bad shape. This team is, and, and it's becoming a complete embarrassment. We saw the, you know, very similar to the 2014 Knicks before they hired Phil Jackson. There's rioting outside of the Staples Center. And it's starting to become a Clippers town because there's also a lot of anger towards Jeannie Buss and the Lakers. So after the Monty Williams debacle, it seems like they're going to get Ty Lue. It made sense, right? I mean, LeBron guy won a championship with LeBron, make LeBron happy. And then out of nowhere, it just falls apart. They and wouldn't give Lou five years. That's why. Did you hear what Bill Simmons said on his podcast on Friday? So he was doing a podcast and he said that he's heard whispers, rumors, that another reason why the Ty Lue thing didn't happen was because they believe they're going to get Kyrie and Ty Lue does not want to coach Kyrie again. Could be possible. If that's if that happens, maybe they have a chance because you know, you, Kyrie would be making the decision to go there, play with LeBron. Okay, now you're talking a little bit. But that's still, what, the sixth best team, fifth best team in the West? Regardless of whether that's smokescreen or that actually has some validity to it is yet to be seen. I thought it was a remarkable comment, even the fact that that's a rumor, because you know Simmons wouldn't just throw that out there. I don't think that's I don't think that's that crazy of a comment being that the Lakers are very arrogant. You saw the way they dealt with the um AD with the a- AD trade and of course they think they're going to get Kyrie. There's no doubt in my mind it's probably a given for them. Yeah. But so either way, you know, it was probably more along the lines of he wanted the 5 and they were only going to give him 3. He stormed out of the negotiations apparently and it was over. And then you hire Frank Vogel but make Jason Kidd the lead assistant. Again, what does this do for you? I don't get it. This honestly makes no sense. It's This could not possibly be handled any worse. I'm excited to see what they do in free agency. I'm excited to see what the, how the Clippers are going to take over that town. <laughs> wow, that is a, that's a crazy thought. The it's Nets, a crazy thought, but the tell Nets me, might take over New York what's and the Clippers with might LeBron, take over though? LA. Because LeBron's there, as we know, for non-basketball reasons. But I don't think he wants the end of his career to be looked at as a complete and utter failure, especially with one of the two flagships of the NBA. Well, he does does not have a no-trade clause. I feel like they might just go to him, depending on what happens this summer with free agency, and say, listen, where do you want to go? Ben Simmons and an unprotected for LeBron? Oh, my God. That'd be crazy. Two, two so now they'll have two. Point I was just gonna say good. So now they'll have two point guards that can't shoot. The other um, coaching decision that was made today. This one, this one was kind of a shock to me. This was a shock. John Beeline, the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines, who has had a lot of success in the last ten years with that program. Remember, he was at West Virginia. He dipped on them quick. Yep. Comes to Michigan, and. Now he's going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I did not see this coming. Expect some NCAA sanctions to come down on Ooh, Michigan. Now we're talking. Skating out of town quick because that's not 
That's not a very sexy job. That's what that's what's a head scratcher to me. I mean, listen, I, I, I the world hates me. I have bad karma all around, and I could this see the Cavaliers getting the number one overall pick, but you don't take the job before you see what happens with the lottery. And I just think maybe Michigan's in trouble. It, it could be another possible kind of um, NCAA sanction thing because I don't. This isn't a very appealing job. I mean, you have Kevin Love, Colin Sexton, and Jordan Clarkston. Yeah, Larry Nance. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess Colin Sexton's a good young player, and Kevin Love he can got still a lot better as the up, season went on. But I just don't. But think, I agree. I, I don't think it, that this is a good job at all. So it's a real head scratcher. Yeah, I think you have a really good case in your speculation about some NCAA violations because guy that had not been even mentioned as a possible NBA guy comes into Cleveland. I mean, I don't know. That's weird to me. Uh, I would not be surprised if you're 100% right. Okay, so we got that out of the way. Tom, it's 8.30 p.m. In 24 hours, the draft lottery starts. We're looking ahead to that tomorrow night. How are we feeling? Good vibes all around. That's all I can say. Good vibes, good energy, positivity. Um, go Knicks. There you go. Go Knicks. It's a goddamn shame that this is the biggest day of the year for me when it comes to a professional basketball <laughs> um, thing, but it is. No, it is. It, it honestly has been is. for a long now, time. We will obviously talk about the results of the draft lottery. We'll probably do a quick pod later this week because it's going to be a big thing. Well, yeah, we're doing a Thrones porn episode, and I may mention at the beginning that. Well, I'll be on the pod if if they're if they win. I won't be alive if they lose. Okay, so real fast, I need to talk you down here. Okay, even if you don't win the lottery, you don't get Zion. Well, first of all, I think there is a legitimate chance, and I'm not just saying this to make you excited. Everything that comes out of talking about the Phoenix Suns is that they're going to take John Morant. They want a point guard. They're worried about how Zion will fit on that team. And that's how ridiculous and poorly run that this organization has been. And I wouldn't put it past them to make that kind of decision. So even if they get one and the Knicks get two, there's still a chance you get Zion. If you don't get Zion, you're getting Morant. You're getting a Barrett. You're getting a Cam Radish. And now I know you're rolling your eyes. When those three players play on the same team in college, it is impossible to know how good each one is. Because Zion is the best prospect that we've seen since LeBron. Maybe That's Anthony why I Davis. want him. Of course you do. And why wouldn't you? Everybody does. But... What I'm saying is when he's going to be that ball dominant. I got to give KD a little love here. He's a pretty good prospect. That's too. true. Yeah, in, 0, in 07. Yep. But when you're talking about a, a team that was going to be headlined and frontlined by Zion Williamson, I'm not a huge fan of Barrett's game per se, but he's a prospect where if you get him in there, he could become a really, really good wing player. The talent's there. Cam Reddish. I like him a little bit more because the guy can shoot, and he was kind of the third wheel on that team who had really no place in a college basketball offense when you have Barrett and Zion. Then the other thing, too, is, okay, let's just say you don't want any of those guys. There's going to be trades available. Washington's going to trade Bradley Beal. New Orleans is going to trade Anthony Davis. There's going to be a lot of other teams that have assets that are going to get dealt. 
if the Knicks are looking there with a top three or four pick that's not Zion, but then you have Mitchell Robinson, Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, Alonzo Trier, first pick round pick next year, now you're talking about some assets. And if you believe you're getting Kyrie and KD or some mixture of two top-tier free agents, and then you go make a trade for a Bradley Beal or something, sign some veterans like Damari Carrolls of the world, the Jared Dudleys of the world, the J.J. Reddicks maybe of the world, now you're talking, man. It's a good setup. If they run it right, you asked before, is the process of failure or success? It's a failure because they didn't make the right picks, but they executed it. You know, as far as getting those picks about as well as you can. If the Knicks personnel and heads of basketball operations, Steve Mills and Perry, I believe, right? Yes. If they make the right decisions, you could be talking in a really good situation, even if Zion's not a Nick. You hope Zion's a Nick. That would be the best thing possibly for the sport. But I'm letting you, I'm telling you, good vibes all around, good karma. Thank you. There's a lot of possibilities and scenarios where the Knicks end up having an incredible draft period. We'll see in about 24 hours. Good vibes all around, and they better have the number one pick after tomorrow. Um, All right, so let's move on to some MLB. Why don't we? So the Yankees are, what, a half game out of first place right now? After taking two of three from Tampa Bay. Um, That's the good news. From Tampa Bay, whatever. Who cares? Um, no, I was. I wanted they do to say always in have trouble that was in a big Tampa. Deal. Yeah, um, and, and they had to go against Glassnow and Snell. Yeah, Glassnow, who I believe's on the IL now. Yeah, he got a little elbow issue. That's never good. But he was um, dealing for the while of that a- game. He absolutely was. Andor's back on the IL. Yeah, the guy has really struggled swinging the bat uh, since he's been back for I think it's been like ten days. But you can tell he's not right, and. Um, you know, they're putting him back on the IL. I think they should just have him get the surgery now. I was going to say the same thing. I thought you were actually going to go the other way and say no, but I'm glad we're on the same page with that. Yeah, listen, I mean, here's the situation you're looking at. You've got – we saw him. He probably should have won Rookie of the Year last year, but even though he didn't, he finished second. Electric bat, fantastic player. But he's looked skittish in the field. He hasn't had the same bat speed. It's been evident. And when you watch him play, it just looks like he's kind of swinging his bat through water. And partially torn labrum's going to do that to you. The other thing is, is Gio Urshela has been phenomenal. And we talked about this briefly before we went on air. Is he a 335 hitter? Probably not. He never has been. Now, there's been a lot of talk from the Yankees about how they identified something in spring training. He had a great spring training about how his stance is totally different, and it is if you look at him from his Indians and Blue Jays days to what he's done you know, this year. His stance is totally different. We've seen the Yankees get a lot of reclamation projects. I mean, Didi Gregorius became a great player. Luke Voigt has become the Yankees' starting first baseman. I'm not saying I, Urshel is going to be any of those guys, but what I am saying is, is we've seen some lesser-known players who were given chances, and the Yankees player development guys or you know pro scouts look at someone and say hey I think they could turn into something when the Yankees get everybody back starting with Aaron Hicks tonight Clint Frazier's already back it's my guy yep you're gonna have um you're gonna have Stanton and Judge suit you know Stanton sooner than Judge and then Judge is back 
Sanchez has been raking. You've got Voight. You're going to have plenty of out power. And Didi's about three weeks away. So you're yeah. going to have plenty of power in this lineup. And, we just and, need Urshela to keep this up until Didi's back, fully back, and then we could slide LeMahieu over to third base, who's a proven professional hitter and a great he's love in the outfield. He's hitting 50 with runners in, in the infield. Excuse me. Yeah, no, he's... He's a he's pr- like nine for his last sixteen. Yeah, he's he's a great player. And then if you have him and you're able to put Glaber back to his position, I mean, we just need this guy to keep hitting for a couple more weeks. And not only that, but now you have a guy who is it not only he's like a better version of Echeverria last year because you bring him in for defense if you need to, and he's a Gold Glover, but he's shown he can hit and hit in big spots. He had that home run against Seattle last week. Um, that tied the game in a game it looked like they were surely going to lose. This is a guy that, if you're playing even you know three four times a week, and he's hitting if he hits 280 even without pop plays that kind of defense, you can easily win a championship with the rest of the supporting cast and big guys with him hitting eighth or ninth in your lineup. Talking championship already, I like it. Good vibes. We've talking talking it. vibes. We've been talking about it all this. It listen the New York Yankees. We say it every week, and yes, we're both Yankee fans, but if the Yankees suck, we call them on the carpet. We're not frauds. How can anybody who knows anything about baseball not just be shocked with this team? They take three or four from the Mariners, who I know had been sliding. Well, previous to that, they took two of three from the Twins, who when they came in had the best record in baseball. Then the Mariners come in, and I know the Mariners have been sliding, and their pitching is not very good, but they can hit, and they had already been they had a 19 wins, you take three or four from them, and then you have to go to Tampa Bay. You steal the game Friday, lose Saturday, and then convincingly win yesterday behind a gem by Tanaka. And again, big game. Tanaka steps up. You That's why we live with his six runs and three and two-thirds against the Diamondbacks. How can you just not be completely impressed with the lineup that they're throwing out there with how they're playing? It's remarkable. So, yeah, we're going to give the Yankees credit. It's impossible not to if you know anything about baseball. Quick look around the league, man. Talk about a team that's on a roll. It's the other AL East team. By the way, the one that won it all last year. The Boston Red Sox have won 11 of their last 13, and they are just annihilating bad teams right now, which is what they should do. Well, we knew they were going to wake up at some point. Let's just hope that... Listen, good vibes to everybody, even the Red Sox, but let's just wow. hope they're pitching. I said it, man. I want this fucking pick. But let's hope their pitching can't hold up. And I don't think it will. Yeah. To be it, honest with you. No, it, they have a lot of questions. And speaking of pitching, Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell have not still been signed. That's because of the that's because of the picks. Yeah. And we're looking at the June 3rd date, which is the MLB draft. According to... Rosenthal or one of the big MLB reporters or a bunch of them at this point. I think the Yankees are a favorite to sign Keuchel. Heyman was the one that came out with it first and then it was echoed. Yeah, you're right by a lot of the other MLB guys. And the reason being is apparently he wants a big market and he wants a team to win. And Severino is still July, but I have a feeling that this year he's just going to kind of be get what you can out of him. You know, Jordan Montgomery has like a late July, early August timetable, but you don't like trusting a young lefty who's coming off of Tommy John and expected to be the savior. We talked about Keiko all off season, right? I don't like him for that five year price tag he wanted. But if you're not sure about Sevy, CC we've seen even in the last few games, like CC's a five inning pitcher at this point. 
you're going to have to go get a guy who's capable of winning big games down the stretch. Former Cy Young winner, not quite to that level anymore, but he's two years removed from pitching in World Series and winning one. I like him as an option. Overpay him for one year, and you don't have to give up any prospects. That might be the guy that the Yankees go get, overpay for and get. Craig Kimbrell's very interesting. There's like 17 teams that could use him, and I don't know where the hell he's going. Washington. Well, I think he's at that point after after June after June third, which is the day of the draft. Teams are you're going to see who's in it and who's not. Probably at that point, he's going to go to a contender. I would assume. Yeah, I'm interested if a team like Washington still believes that they're in it and they overpay. That bullpen is horrific. The Cubs yeah, but bullpen they need a lot horrific. more than a I think he's got a much better chance of going to the Cubs than to the to the Nats. I could see the Cubs doing that. That seems like a recent Cubs move. I could see the. I could still see a reunion between him and Boston. Absolutely. It seems like Atlanta's not going to happen. Milwaukee still makes a lot of sense to put him down there with Hader. There's a lot. There's a lot of teams that could use him now. I wrote an article, so go to sorrysports.com to check out a more in-depth analysis of why Keuchel and Kimbrel have to wait till after the June draft, and also why that's become such a priority for all these teams. I mean, you have two proven commodities, one in the rotation, one in the bullpen as a closer. I know he struggled in the postseason last year, but Jesus, there's so many teams. I mean, you could lose the division early in the season, and the fact that teams are not biting on these guys and prioritizing their draft pick just shows where we are in 2019 analytically driven baseball. Absolutely, man. And I mean, listen, the guy, regardless of how terribly he pitched in the postseason, he's got a ring for it. So, and and he's been a dominant. He's been one of the most dominant closers in baseball. He has the, for the most last, saves in baseball. What like since ten years? 2010. Yeah. yeah. So Chapman's a close second. Yes, Chapman's been pitching. Yeah, it's a little shaky. Nah, he's been fine. He's been good. The velo's down. It makes me nervous. Of all the yeah, but he's not going to throw 105. He's still hitting 100, 101. Yeah, no, absolutely, but and you, you know what? He throws a lot more off speed now too. He, yeah, he's throwing he's that, that slider. This he trusts the slider more than the fastball at some point. That's his becoming I've his seen three one counts where he's just throwing sliders because he knows he's going to throw for a strike. Yep, and he knows that as long as you're throwing a hundred and a hundred and one, guys are still geared up for that heater. Just a quick sidebar before we go. Tommy Canley looks like he is back. I I know we mentioned him in spring training. He looks great. I guess Chad Green. Loses it this year. It's again. It's like the injury thing. When one guy comes back, you got to send a guy to the IL. This year with the bullpen, one guy falls off, another guy comes back on. I mean, it's a good thing you're going one for one, but it would be nice for Chad Green to be decent. Yeah. Well, he came back yesterday and he was dominant. Yeah. Three strikeouts, just putting guys away. Really looked like he had that edge back to him. I just hope that that um almost said Girardi. I just hope that Boone uses him the way Girardi did use him, where you don't have to pitch him every game for one inning. He's more of a three inning kind of dominate guy. Have him ready to go every CC start. You know what's funny is I would agree with you with that purpose, but the other thing too is that I can't believe I'm saying this. Now he's being used as the opener tonight. But Luis Sessa has actually kind of taken that role, and he's been goddamn good this year. And the other thing about Green is because you have all these other relievers, you're going to have games. I mean, after the off day on Thursday, they play 17 in a row. I mean, we saw a case on Saturday where they basically just threw that game away because 
CC had to come out after five. Two nights in a row, they had to use Kane Lee, Ottavino, Britton, and Chapman. That's a game where Nestor Cortez gets called up from AAA, and it's like, here, you and Jonathan Holder have to get big outs. And obviously they couldn't. You're going to need Green to be a part of that mix for an inning, an inning, and a third, because they do have so many games started by pitchers where you need top flight relievers. I feel like Sessa is that guy right now that you slide into that CC game and pencil him in and say, you know what, we're going to need him. And then we got Green maybe for the eighth because the night before, two nights in a row, we've used Britton and Chapman. Britton's another guy that looks like he's been, he's getting those ground balls and again, which has been, you know, that's vintage Zach Britton. I don't know how they're going to use him, but he just needs to be effective because right now, Canely's ahead of him in that pecking order. Obviously, Ottavino and Britton and Chapman are too. He's going to have to work his way back, but I tell you, I'd still rather see him over Jonathan Holder. Yeah, although Holder had a good year last year. I mean, a lot of a lot of people in this league would kill for Jonathan Holder. Of course. That's what's crazy about this Yankees bullpen. But, hey, you know what? Like I said last week, Band-Aids and duct tape, they're holding it together. Um, we are going to be watching a Game of Thrones together soon. Good vibes all around. We Thrones will be back porn. later in the week with a massive Thrones porn episode. Hopefully I'm still alive for that one. Good luck to the, good luck to the Knicks tomorrow. Good luck to the Knicks. I don't know who they're having come out to be the honorable I think it guest. should be you. I wish it was me. I would bring the good vibes through, but it'll probably be Bar- Barkley. It'll probably be Patrick Ewing or something like that, and I'll end up really depressed. What I would want is Frazier. I want Clyde out there. He won a championship. One of won his, two championships. One of his suits. Yeah, maybe bring out like a leopard print suit or something, rock Ooh. a pair of Pumas with him. I like that. But it's not going to be. I'm going to end up disappointed. They're going to get the third pick. They're not going to get Anthony Davis. They're not going to get Kevin Durant. They're not going to get Kyrie Irving. They're not going to get Bradley Beal. They are going to spend an absurd amount of money next year on Jimmy Butler. And they are going to probably get Cam Reddish. And I'm already depressed about it, but... Hey, 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 hey. Keep those good vibes, man. Good vibes, baby. Let's keep it rolling. We'll be back later in the week with Thrones Point.